It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it's a Friday. You know what that means? It's roundtable time. And yes, I might be hamming it up a little bit. I got my Gophers hoodie. I got my Jay Jetta's sunglasses. I got the cigar like I'm Michael Jordan. I got the Diddy champagne, baby. Biggie, Diddy, Gophers beat Nebraska. But this is not what we're going to – we're not going to get that hype just this early. I got it all. I got the cigars. I got the champagne. But we got to get locked in on this show, man. We can't. But everybody, I want you guys to know, again, this is Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Inman. We got Sam Ekstrom. We got Reggie Wilson from Care 11. Did it big last night. I saw him on the sideline. I got to see Reggie, Gus Johnson, Ahmad. I mean, it was just, oh, man. I got to hang out with Mark Ingram. I got to talk to Matt Leinart. I mean, it was just, I got Jenny Taft was on our show. It was just people after people after people were shabbing. But, hey, again, we're not talking about that. We got to get locked in on this show. What you got for us, Luke? Yeah, Ron, Vikes Bucks week one. We're now just under 10 days away. I want to get your guys' takes and opinions on what that matchup looks like to start the season right out the gate. Pennant Chase is on. The Twins lead the Central by five. What are some bold predictions about the month of September for our favorite baseball team? Big hack. Got some big money. And all of a sudden, those big injuries are not necessarily a big deal anymore. Speaking of TJ Hawkinson, I got a great video I'm about to tweet out later. It's a TJ Hawkinson spoof about the contract in the spring. So I love it. I have fun with it. But, hey, the Gophers, got to start the show with that. The Gophers beat the Cornhuskers 3-0 at halftime, down 10-3. to I'm going to say that for the show, people. We are going to talk about the takeaways from this Gophers-Nebraska win. I want everybody to know, Locked On Sports Minnesota is a proud partner with SiriusXM Radio, with FanDuel as well. You can just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On because you got to get football season now. As college has started, but NFL is next week. NFL bets. Get them out there early, people. Go to FanDuel. But let's get locked in on this show. I'm going to start it off, fellas, because it's Gopher Day. It's the Gophers. They- <laughs> That's the horn for my DJ in the background. DJ such and such. Meow, 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 meow. Gophers beat Nebraska. And here's where I go with this. First of all, Sam, your bold prediction of Ethan Calig, man, is going, would you think he said 24 for 40 or something like that? I, I said, well, I didn't say 40. I didn't think okay. they had aired out 40 times. I think I said 20 of 26 was my, my prediction. Yeah. Well, did you see that? 44 passes by Ethan Calig Manis. And I, and I said this on the uh, on the pregame show. I said, P.J. Fleck, everybody keeps talking about this balanced offense P.J. Fleck wants to have. Balance is just using the guys that you think are going to get you going. We are about to see when Chris Altman Bell comes back, and I think that's the key that was missing a little bit last night, was they didn't have a guy they could just throw it up to every once in a while, a guy that was going to control the middle of the field, Chris Altman Bell. But Daniel Jackson, nine catches. Corey Crooms, seven catches. Brevin Span four, five. And I like the fact that they split Brevin Span four out wide. They're just setting us up for some other stuff. They want to see how teams are going to play them, who's going to guard them. You look at Bryce Williams has some catches. Elijah Spencer had a catch. Lamecki Brockington got a target. Uh, uh, Sean Tyler got a target. So he was out there just slinging the ball. I love the fact that you see his arm strength. You see some of his quick twitch throws. Ethan Calig-Manis is a guy, but he's got to figure it out a little bit sooner sometimes. He's got to decide to run sooner. I love the design quarterback runs. 
We hadn't seen that in six years. We hadn't seen design quarterback runs in six years, and we got that from Ethan Manis. And then you look at Nebraska. I think Matt Rule is doing a great job, but this team looks a lot better. Uh, I think if this was uh, Scott Frost and he had walked into U.S. Bank Stadium – or sorry, not U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, uh, Huntington Bank Stadium <laughs> – it would probably have been a, a different result as far as probably still would have been a go for win, but I think the scoring would have been a lot higher on the go for side because his defense at times was very undisciplined. Uh, but his defense looked very disciplined last night. His offense a bit stagnant. The new quarterback, I was very surprised at some of the receivers they did not use, like uh, Billy Kemp, who transferred from Virginia. This is a kid that has 192 career catches and he didn't get a single catch. So, very interested to see how Nebraska goes with this, but. My early takeaways are the Gophers won their 1-0. Daniel Jackson with the catch of the night. That was just absolutely nuts. I've done that in my life before. I still don't know how he did it. I still don't know how he did it, but he did it. Gophers got the win. I'm going to sit back and listen to you guys. What you got, Luke? Yeah, Ron. I mean, first of all, props to all the people who forgot there was a game going on, by the way, until, <laughs> you know, midway through the fourth quarter, they turn it on. You played that perfectly. That's all you really needed to watch. Second of all, you mentioned it at the top. I was just blown away by this. We watched Tanner Morgan start for five straight years. That dude played 51 games for the Gophers. Not one time did he ever throw more than 37 passes. Not once. Callie wow. Manis comes in, first real start as the bona fide guy. He shatters that 44 pass attempts. It kind of tells me everything I need to know about this offense, what it's going to look like this year. It's going to be vastly different than what fans have watched with Tanner Morgan at the helm. It was easy to see why they aired it out so much because without Mo Ibrahim, man, I'm a little worried about that running game. Granted, Nebraska's defense, a little bit better than people give them credit for, but they had nothing working in the run game. 22 rushes, 55 yards. That's a measly 2.2 yards per carry. I'm all for this shift into a more pass-happy system, running this offense through an athlete like Calic Manis, but unless they get more efficient, I think, on the ground, he's going to have a hard time this season if he's constantly in those third and long situations. The play of the game came on a fourth and 10. That's going to be really tough. That's not what you want to do to help your young quarterback. Those are my two big takeaways. Big picture, though, man. What a fun way to start the year. Such a dramatic walk-off winner in front of the home crowd. That's certainly number one main takeaway. But if you're a coach, you wake up this morning, you go back to the drawing board, there's still a lot of things they want to clean up for sure if they want to be consistent week in and week out. Ron, I got to ask you, though, what's that like as a player to start your season on a walk-off winner like that in front of the home crowd? That's got to be incredible. Huge. It's huge. That's what you say, and this is how you build the rest of the season. Good thing is they got Eastern Michigan next. They got a little bit of relaxation before they have to head out to North Carolina. So this that's a huge start, though. Great. I'm mean, they're they're gonna start school next week. These guys are gonna be walking around campus with their chest out. What you got, Sam? Yeah, had to win the game. When your defense forces four turnovers and you're plus three in the take give, had to win that game. Think of how demoralized we would be this morning if that had gone the wrong way. And it, it kind of reminded me of a Vikings finish last year where they're down and out down in the fourth quarter, and then an unlikely sequence of events happens. It was, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? We're just talking gophers. Um, <laughs> um, it was the fumble. It was the fourth and 10 to Jackson, where, again, I didn't think he, in real time, I said, no way he got his foot down. Um, and then the replay showed. A great call by the official, by the way, to see that in real time. And then the interception by Newbin, And then the kick. Just a crazy sequence of events. Had to win the game. I, look, thinking of Cali Manis, he's got an arm, guys. Like He's got a, a legit arm, and Mike Grimm was on Ron's show, and he said he might have NFL talent. I think he's got NFL arm talent. Now, I do need to see a little more accuracy downfield. 
He was floating it a little bit. He was leading guys too far. He almost led Daniel Jackson too far on the final play, um, but he did make that catch. There was one like kind of sidearm throw over the middle where he hit a guy crossing the field, which was such a tight window, such an impressive throw. And he made a few of those during the game where I was really wowed by it. Um, but like Luke said, you got to figure out the running game. I mean, how many of their eight third down conversions were they like third and eight, third and six? They converted a lot of tough third downs um, that I don't think will, will be sustainable in, in the future. So a lot to clean up, but you had to win with that turnover margin, and they did. How good is Tyler Newbin, by the way? Another friend of the Ron Johnson Show. Reginald. Yeah, so being there last night, first of all, that first, like, three quarters was some of the most non-thrilling football I've seen in a while. And it was interesting because that play right after halftime, the broken play, that ended up in a touchdown for Nebraska. It was just like, what in the world happened? What are we watching? I think J Gus Johnson was like, they made chicken salad or <laughs> something like that. Um, I made the comment after the game. The Gophers had a long offseason full of questions about what this team would look like. And I think they still need some time. I, I think they still need some time. The defense looks bona fide. The offense needs some needs some work. Needs a little work under uh, Greg Harbaugh, who um, PJ Flex said is the play caller this season. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned that Sam about uh, Ethan because after the game we talked to him and he admitted, yeah, that was a bad pass. That was that was a bad pass. Daniel Jackson bailed him out. I still don't know how he got that foot down without putting the other foot down out of bounds, but that was an incredible play. Probably going to see that on T-shirts next week and all season. But what I will say, that was just that was just a gritty win. It did play out. I, I felt like the ending was kind of like a 2022 Vikings game. And I'm like, okay, all right, that's good. That's fine. And it's like all's well that ends well, right? Because that would have been a very bad loss to open up the season. Sold out crowd. Everybody in their gold. The stadium's rocking. And they couldn't get much going. One thing about Kelly Igmanis, 44 pass attempts, he only threw for 196 yards. And we asked him after the game, why couldn't we get why couldn't we get any uh anything going on the on the run game for the Gophers? And he was just like, I don't think we I don't think it was a, a bad um run execution from the Gophers. He he kind of blamed some other things, and it's like, well. That wasn't a pro, uh, like a, 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 a typical Gophers game where you see them establish the run, just run it down your throat, and then the, the pass kind of complements. And it was funny because P.J. Fleck was like, yeah, Mo Ibrahim was in the locker room. I almost grabbed him, like, go in there, get in there. Because he was <laughs> like, he's not used to seeing Mo and him not being available for him to use. So they got some things to clean up, but. Like I said, all's well that all's well that uh, ends well because they got the win, but they got the win by the skin of their teeth. I will say, Reggie, you brought up a good point about the uh, the run game. This is the thing, though. People forget there's been trends and mirages. I'd say the trend history of Gophers, yeah, has been a running school back to Marion Barber Maroney days. But my senior year, we went four wides. We spread it out because we had the, the weapons. Fast forward, Eric Decker. They spread it out with him and Tyler, or not Tyler Johnson, uh, Ernie Wilwright and uh, Logan Payne. 
they threw the ball with Matt Spath. And then they went back to a run game. And then all of a sudden, 2019, you got Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson. They threw the ball. So I, I think, you know, P.J. Fleck, Glenn Mason, whoever you want to call it, the, the coaches have to use what they have. And what they have right now is a guy, Nathan Kalik Manis. I think this is what the next three years are going to look like. It's going to be, I mean, unless they can get one of these backs to really get going, Sean Tyler, he's more of a, a receiving running back, which I think is going to help Ethan. But here's where I go with the run game real quick before we jump into the next topic with uh, Reggie and this uh, TJ Hawkinson contract. The Gophers run game can get going, but it's going to be this offensive line needs to figure out how to gel. And I think in the zone run scheme, it's more of the running backs. The running backs are going to like Sean Taylor. Tyler coming from Western Michigan is a lot different playing in the Big Ten. He's going to have to learn how to read that line. Mo Ibram had the best vision I've ever seen for a middle zone runner. And that's what the problem is. You have to look from tackle to tackle because your lane can be anywhere in there. And a lot of times these running backs are just going front side right away because that seems like the best thing to do. But you got to be patient like Mo was. And, and they'll learn that. Maybe Eastern Michigan is going to be a good game for them to be patient. But we got to move on because it's contract time. What you got, Reggie? Yeah, man. I, it's interesting that uh, TJ got done before JJ did. But TJ Hawkinson agrees to a four-year contract up to $68 million, $68.5 million. Yeah, don't forget that, that half. Earn. Don't shortchange that five. My bad, my bad. Look, my bad, my bad. <laughs> $42.5 million guaranteed, $17.125 average annual value. And that one, that .125 puts him as the richest tight end in NFL history. And so, mm-hmm. interesting. You know, he's dealt with – Lower back dealt with ear infection affecting his equilibrium. His equilibrium is all right now. I think uh, he's he's trending towards he's trending towards starting in that that uh, game against Tampa in the opener on September 10th. So it was a big time deal. Uh, KLC mentioned how he identified TJ like right away as a person that they wanted to make a major part of the offense, and so. Quasey finally put it, put the money where the mouth is or where KLC's mouth is, I guess. Backed up the, the Brinks truck. First real, like, big money contract that Quasey has given out uh, to one of the, the Vikings players. So it's good to see that. Still got a week or so before the season starts. We'll see if he is feeling even more generous with the Wilfs money and uh, pays Justin Jefferson next. But this is a big-time contract for a guy who – came in and hit the ground running and has been a key contributor to the Vikings since he got here from the Lions. Nope. Yeah, I, I knew something smelled fishy about those injuries, guy. I don't know of any <laughs> grown men that get a three-week-long ear infection and then a mysterious back injury, even though, wait a minute, you've been on the sidelines standing around. What happened? Uh, it sounds like those have all mysteriously gone away now. He should be ready to roll, by the way, for week one. Puts a lot of that drama to bed, finally. That feels good. Totally well-deserved. Reggie mentioned a lot of it. You saw the difference this guy made in this offense as soon as he showed up. The difference he had those final 10, 11 games. Uh, This offense, this team looked night and day. Uh, Pulled this up on Twitter per Nick Olson. Kirk Cousins' EPA, it went from .054 the first eight weeks to .10 the rest of the season, meaning Cousins literally doubled his efficiency 
once TJ Hawkinson got in the building. So it's really hard to overstate the importance of just how much he means. I love the structure of this thing as well. Once you look at the actual deal and the details, uh, for much as as the big numbers kind of pop out to you on the page, it's really a team-friendly deal. Quasi ends up saving $5 million this year on the cap. By the time this thing really gets inflated, 2026, it's kind of set up where they can get out of the deal easily or they've set themselves up for another extension when he's only 29 years old, no less. So that's really good. You look back now at the guts it took to make this trade, pull the trigger really by Quasi. it may be the single best move he's made since he's been here. I mean, uh, getting a guy of that magnitude from a division rival, no less, for just a couple day two picks, uh, that was unbelievable. Now you got Hawkinson, Addison. It'll only be a matter of time before Jefferson's locked up now too. The only real question is, guys, who's going to be throwing them the ball in 2024 and beyond? Yeah, we, we went into sort of this last month wondering – is Daniel Hunter going to be here? Mm-hmm. And the answer turned out, yes, at least for one more year. They kept him. TJ Hawkinson, is he going to be here long-term? Now the answer is yes, they've signed him long-term. And now I think the easiest deal to come together is Justin Jefferson. That's the one that they've had the most confidence about. Ownership, GM, uh, the player doesn't seem to be too bothered by any of it. I think that's going to get done too. So they're going to check all these boxes with these stars. And I will say, enjoy this year while you have... Addison, Osborne, Jefferson, Hawkinson, Madison, Oliver. I mean, because this offense is going to get expensive really quickly, especially Mm -hmm. once that Jefferson money hits. I don't know if they can keep uh, Osborne, you know, any further than this year. So uh, this could be a really explosive offense. It could be a special offense. And again, Kirk Cousins being the linchpin of all of it, you don't know if you're going to have him be on this year either. So enjoy this season with this group because it could look really different one year from now. I always thought this was a no-brainer. Tight ends like Hawkinson are a rare breed in the NFL. It's not like wide receiver where every team's got two of them. You've got like 10 or 12 tight ends that are kind of on that level, and Hawkinson might even be top five in the league right now, uh, deserving of the money. I thought it made sense. He seems like a perfect fit in Minnesota. Uh, this is, you know, we talk, we we knock him for the Rager and the Blacklock trades. This is a great trade by Quasi Dofomensa that worked out, and now they've got him through twenty twenty seven. Yeah, and, and this is where I go with, with the uh, the bunny side of it. You see, TJ Hawkinson's forty two and a half total guarantee. I not to say that I think that's all he's gonna get. I feel like that's what they're heading towards. Like, hey, let's just make sure we get him his forty two and a half. That makes he's the highest total guarantee right now. George Kittle's at 40. Mark Andrews is at 37. Dallas Goddard's at 35. We know that one of the bigger contracts is Darren Waller. TJ Hawkinson's 17.125 is also based on some other factors within this when you look at the previous money from the Lions and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the, the Vikings aren't on the hook for as much of it. But it is a great deal, Sam. That's a great point that, you know, he went out and made the trade. Everybody, I saw all Lions Twitter was like, oh, he just wants big money. We're not going to pay him. And everybody was like, there's no way the Vikings can pay him. Well, they found a way. And so clearly I knew the domino was going to be either Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson. So maybe that's the, the Justin Jefferson. Hey, let's wait and get TJ done. So we can see how much money we'll have and we can, you know, kind of create something for you as well. Um, so I don't know if Justin Jefferson's deal will get done before week one, but I know that's their goal. They want to get a deal done for him as well. So he feels comfortable and locked in. But TJ Hawkinson and Josh Oliver, really quick before I go into this, when they go two tight ends, and this was last year, most teams played them in 
uh, base. Sorry, most NFL teams' defenses go base when you see two tight ends because they assume it's going to be run, but they know linebackers can cover tight ends. 54% of the time, this came from Mina Kimes. I saw this from and from her stats, people at ESPN. But 54% of the time was the league average of base defense versus two tight end sets. Versus the Vikings, it was 15%, which means more teams are going nickel when TJ Hawkinson comes in the game. They're treating him like a receiver, like Travis Kelsey. Mahomes and Travis Kelsey kind of dealt the same thing, but they didn't go too tight as much. But when they go too tight with the Vikings, they treat Travis Kelsey like a third or uh, TJ Hawkins like a third receiver. So what does that mean? If you want to run the ball, because we were trying to figure this out, how do they run it? If you want to run the ball, you need a guy like Josh Oliver. Because now you have a bigger tight end who can deal with nickel, and now you have a guy in TJ Hawkinson who can block a nickel. And so I think this is going to be the key to this. They're going to take the box count, and I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a little bit more control to run the ball with Alexander Madison with maybe a nickel guy as a support, run support, not a linebacker. So I'm very interested. I mean, I think that's the reason why they got this deal done. They like the multiple sets, the fact that, look, I can make you pick wrong, and I think that's going to be the key this year is Kirk Cousins is going to take control of this offense. But we got to move on to the next topic because we still got to talk about the Twins. Unfortunately, we have to talk about them because they're actually good. And I'm scared to like jump on them in September because October, the truth is going to come out. Are they for real? Are they Fugazi? What are the Minnesota Twins? We're going to talk about that. But before we do, we have a word from our sponsors. It is a FanDuel Friday. Let me tell you about the new promotions going on at America's number one sports book. If you're a new customer, go to FanDuel right now, sign up, bet $5. That's all it takes. $5, they give you $200 free. Yep, that was not a misspeak. $200 free into your account in bonus bets that you can spend on NFL futures, prop bets, parlays. You can go outside the NFL, bet on the U.S. Open in tennis. Whatever you want, use those $200 however you see fit. And all customers, you can bet $5. This is all customers now. Get $100 off the new NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube or YouTube TV. That's where it's at now. It's off TV. It's on YouTube TV. Uh, get that promotion right now. Sign up. Watch every game around the league all year long. This is the best time to bet football at FanDuel. So, again, bet five, get 200. Bet five, get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. FanDuel.com slash locked on is the website or the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You won't want to miss this NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. I forgot to bring the champagne out for TJ Hawkinson's contract. I had that ready to go, too. It was supposed to be a champagne like opening. But now, speaking of champagne, it's on to the team that we hope gets to pop champagne later in the season. And that's the Minnesota Vikings. They are taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got Coke, friend of the show, joining, or sorry, coming to town. Uh, we're going to have Antoine Winfield in town. My boy Larry Foote, who I grew up with, played Little League with, and now he's coaching with the, or been coaching with the Buccaneers, but he's coming back to town. But what are our early opinions? We'll jump over to you, Luke. Luke. What you got for us with this Buccaneers-Vikings? I want to get your guys' opinions, your takes on what this matchup looks like to start this season right out the gate. I think when we the schedule came out, guys, first and foremost, we kind of all just chalked it up as an easy win right out the gate, kind of glossed over it. As of now, I know the Vikes are favored by six and a half. That feels about right on paper. Now that we're getting closer and closer, though, I want to gauge the room a little bit, see where everybody's at. We all know there's absolutely no gimmies in this league, even though everyone just wants to write the bucks off this season. 
I started to look at this roster on paper here in the depth chart. I'm telling you, don't gloss over this team quite yet. They still got two handfuls of studs from that Super Bowl run just two years ago. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the passing game. This defense is still, I'm expecting to be pretty legit. Vita Villa, Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr. First round pick, they added a defensive tackle, Kalaja Kansi. People want to write him off already, but in my opinion, this roster is nowhere near the teams like the Cardinals, who's everybody's writing off, the Rams as well. It's more so everybody's just worried about the quarterback position, and I get it, but we all saw former number one overall pick, what Baker Mayfield can still do on any given day, any given Sunday. You saw it last year on that Thursday night primetime game. So I'm just warning everybody now, pump the brakes a little bit on any type of blowout you may have forecasted in your mind. Even though the Vikings are 22-8 and all time in week one games at home, I'm still not ready to assume this one's going to be a blowout like everybody thinks it is. If they pick up where they left off last year, I think this one's going to be a lot closer than people think, especially with this new look defense. We got a lot of high expectations for this Brian Flores defense, but it could be a lot of trial and error right away, guys. Brian Flores, this ultra-aggressive scheme. I'm expecting some ups and downs, especially these first few games. 27-21, that's what I got written down. Better get that extra half point if you're betting on this one because, again, current line sitting at six and a half. Sam? Yeah, I cannot figure out this Bucks team at all because their roster is good enough that I think they they could try to make the playoffs this year, right? And that probably means winning nine games. Like, I don't think they're any better than that. But mm -hmm. if things break right for them, if Baker Mayfield got hot, like, I could see this roster actually competing. I don't know. They're not a contender, but they are a competitor. Um the band-aid at quarterback is curious to me. Like, do they think that Baker Mayfield is is the future? Like, what what is their commitment level to Baker? Because they didn't bring in a rookie quarterback to compete with him. Kyle Trask was never really a serious person in that quarterback competition. He doesn't seem to have it after three years in the league now. So they're going with Mayfield and this roster. A lot of them won Super Bowl a couple of years ago, right? Tristan Wirfs on that offensive line. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Vita Vea, some bad contract news with Mike Evans. Sounds like they're not going to extend him, so maybe some tension there. I just can't take Baker Mayfield seriously unless I see that they've devised some sort of offensive scheme. Uh, Dave Canales, their offensive coordinator, something that really fits whatever he can do and they can channel what he did in 2019. I just can't take them seriously with that quarterback. So, um, and again, guys, with Tom Brady last year, they were pretty ordinary um, as well. So I, I like the Vikings a lot in this game, but th there is enough to worry me with Evans and Godwin and that mm -hmm. secondary. That is the matchup that's the trickiest because you do have to stop two credible Pro Bowl level receivers in this game. And if Mayfield True. gets hot, um, has the hot hand a little bit, then, yeah, I think it could get dicey. Yeah, I, Baker Mayfield was nothing more than just kind of like a stopgap for me. And I don't think the expectations are too, too high for him there. But I think they just hope that maybe he could be competent enough to steady the ship. Maybe they hover around 500. This is a game that could like catch the Vikings up right at the start. And so I think the the Vikings really need to come out, establish this this offense and just like try to put it on this Bucks defense as early as possible because if you let them hang around, it could be scary hours towards the uh, the later part of this game. So I'm not giving any score predictions yet because we're too early. But 
I, I think uh, the the Vikings are going to have their hands full with the Bucks, but we'll we'll kind of see like Alexander Madison coming out party potential. Justin Jefferson continuing to establish himself as the the dude as him. And then, you know, TJ Hawkinson coming out showing that those injuries are behind them. The money is in the bag and it's, it's time to go ball out. Uh, here's where I go. My early opinion in this game, when you look at the uh, bets in the parlays, I would say that's that's where I'm going to go. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a pay off FanDuel fans. When you want to take a look at this Bucks vikings game, please check out FanDuel like this. Like, I'm not even – I wasn't excited about this game just yet because I, I'm still excited about the goal. But looking at some of these parlays makes me want to drive an hour and a half over the border to Wisconsin and just make this bet. Here's some guys some guys to think about, guys, and I was going to ask you guys this. Look look about this. First drive – you can bet on the first drive. Imagine, like, being in your seat or being in front of your TV because you're super excited to watch the first drive. The first drive result, whether it's the Bucks or the Vikings, is a field goal attempt plus 450 offensive touchdown plus 320 any other meaning turnover defensive touchdown a safety or special teams play that's not a a a field goal plus 500 and then a punt minus 115 this is the thing if the vikings get the ball first i would definitely take the field goal to temp but if the if the bucks get it i'm taking a punt or i'm taking any other this so that's what makes this even more like it's it's all down to the coin toss like you're sitting there praying the coin toss goes to the uh bucks so that they can choose to defer and the Vikings have to take the ball. Like, that's what you want. I don't know if Kevin O'Connell's going to take the ball first just to say, you know what, screw this. I'm taking the ball first and I'm scoring and I'm putting it down your throat. But you can, like, make every part of this game fun. Here's another one. Money line plus win. You can bet on the Vikings to win by 1 to 13 points or 14 plus. Both are getting great odds right now. So there's a lot of things to check out on FanDuel, people. Uh, my early on look, like looking at this, I want to bet a field goal. Like, I think either team can drive down and get a field goal. I don't feel like either is going to get a touchdown to start, but I'm always wrong. We always know Justin Jefferson might catch the first one and gritty that thing out to start the season off. Uh, but if I got a tight end that's worth $66 million, I'm, my first touchdown is going to him to prove to the world I signed him for a reason. Uh, early on, and when you look at the odds to make the playoffs, Vikings are 106 on FanDuel. The, the Bucks are plus 360. So I'm thinking that the Vikings are the favorites. Uh, my opinion early is that the Vikings are going to win. I agree with you, Reggie. I don't feel like Baker Mayfield is the quarterback in the future. But I also know that the Buccaneers don't know what their team – like Tom Brady got them a Super Bowl, and now they don't know what to do. Now, they really don't know where to go. So the question is, do they try to draft a guy? Do they try to trade uh, and maybe take a Kyla Murray from the Arizona Cardinals? Mm. Like you really don't know. Like you don't know mm. what – the deal is because if Kyler Murray is fully healthy, can he be viable to the Buccaneers with a team that maybe wants to run the ball a little bit more where Arizona was a kind of trying to be an air raid offense and they want Caleb Williams. So my early on thoughts are just that the Vikings have to do what they do and not screw this thing up because they are the favorites right now. I think they can win this by 14 plus points and just blow it out. So me, Reggie and Sam can sit in the press box and just relax. And just sit back and, you know, ha- have some popcorn and some chicken tenders and just relax. And get ready for our post-game shows because, hey, why why not? Why make it close? Why do we have to come down to a Gophers field goal like the Vikings? By the way, before we jump into this last topic with the Minnesota Twins, was it me or did anybody else feel like that extra point? Not the field goal to win the game, but the extra point. It was so close. That he was going to thank you. I was like, wow. I looked like, did he miss that? I was it like, was he did not just wow. so close. Now, there was a penalty on the play, so they would have gotten Correct. a redo. He hit but him in the leg. Yeah. It was dangerously close. You're, you're absolutely And that could have right. been very bad. Like, that, he could have 
like broke his leg the way he hit that planted leg. Like I, I yeah. thought he was hurt. I was like, oh my goodness, thank goodness he's a bigger kicker, and so he could take a hit like that. Uh, the other side of that though too is I almost thought PJ might take it, move it up to like the one yard line, and then quarterback sneak for the win. Go for two because that's another way to do it. You court, you got a big tall quarterback, you got a big huge offensive line, you got seven offensive linemen you claim could be starters. I thought for a second PJ might just dagger him right there and say, you know what? Let's uh let's go ahead and and just push this thing up to the one and then let's let's just Daniel Falele this. Let's let's just push it into the end zone. Let's score a two-point conversion, go up. But then I think that would have changed butterfly effect. I think the uh the the Nebraska would have like relaxed a little bit more and realized, hey, a field goal just wins this game. We don't need to try to do too much here. Uh but the quarterback probably still would have threw an interception to Tyler Newbin and he would have ended the game with the with the interception. Either way, it would have worked out that way. But yeah, I thought he missed it. I thought he I definitely thought he missed it. But we're on to the Vikings now, uh, but now it's time to move into the Twins. Last topic of the day. Sam, what you got? It's September. Uh, I don't know if there's quite a chill in the air yet, but fall baseball, autumn baseball is on the way. Pennant Chase is here. Twins enter the month up by five on the Guardians. It should have been seven, you guys. They should have a stranglehold, but they blew it on Wednesday, so now they got to sweat just a little bit. I-, I said this last week. If the Twins simply win one game from these both of these series against Cleveland, they will win the division. Well, they won one game at home. Now they got to go win one game on the road this week in Cleveland. And then I think they got it wrapped up. I'm calling a twins clincher on earth, wind and fire day, September 21st. You can play your, play your album. Do you remember? September. I got, actually got that song playing in one of my home videos when I was a kid and I was three. My parents were playing that in the background. <laughs> it's timeless. It's so good. It's so good. I'm looking at this Guardian schedule, too. They got Rays, Twins, at the Giants, Texas, Baltimore. It Cincinnati's good. It's a tough schedule for the Guardians. I don't think there's any way that they can come back unless, again, they sweep the Twins this week. So the Twins just got to win one game, and then I think they can breeze easy. Here's one bold prediction, though, for the month. You know who's going to come back and be the MVP of this pennant chase for the Twins? Byron Buxton is going to come back from his injury. He's going to play center field. Playing center field is going to get his juices flowing. The bat's going to get going. He's going to be the guy who gets hot going into October. Mm, Reggie. Uh, As Monique would say, (laughs) I would like to see it. That was real skeptical looking there, Reggie. Yeah, I I would like to see it. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see how that how that goes. Uh, it, it's interesting because uh, I made the comment earlier this week that the twins are like that girlfriend that you've been back and forth with, and you're like, look, man, it's time to put her down. Like it's time to leave her alone. She she doesn't mean me well, and then. She comes back all dressed up, looking pretty. And she's like, but baby, I've changed. And then you take her back. And then the cycle just goes on and on and on and on and on again. And you're hurt. You end up hurt again. But then, you know, you have some more good times, but then you end up hurt again. And I think that's kind of what this Twins team is from my almost two years of being here. It'll be two years on September 15th. That's that's pretty much what the twins are. Like I saw it just completely unravel last year, and here we are. They're they're five games, and you're like, oh man, here we go. And the Guardians just 
claimed three guys on waivers yesterday. Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, two pitchers mm-hmm. that they did. You're yeah. like, oh shoot, here we go. Oh no, they're gonna they're gonna turn it on. You know, Jose Ramirez is gonna be punching punching everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. And, and it's scary, you know. It, it's it's a little tough. So you, you don't really know if you can trust the twins. But look, this is closing time. And if the, if they really want to be about it, they have to get it done. They've played too well in stretches this year to kind of let it just unravel again like they did last year. But it's the twins, man. And it remains to be seen until it happens. Move. Yeah, I mentioned this before. Good news is, no matter how dramatic they make this thing, they get to finish versus the Rockies in the A's. So no matter how tight this thing is at the end, you got to like their chances to finish strong. Here's my one bold take. The young guys, the rookies, they're only going to get hotter. Their confidence right now is just absolutely oozing. They're going to take over the spotlight and carry this team to the playoffs. They'll be the new identity of this team, so to speak. The Royce Lewis's, Edward Julian, Matt Walner specifically, they stay hot. By the end of the season, the leaders in the clubhouse, they're not going to be the guys that we're used to and have tried to lean on all year, the Carlos Correas, the Byron Buxton's. It's going to be the young guys you think of when you think Twins baseball, first and foremost. And no matter what happens in the playoffs, and yes, I do think they'll end up winning this division, but no matter what happens in the playoffs, I think by the end of the season, we're going to look at the big picture, the future here. We're going to feel good knowing this team has a new young core, a new nucleus of these emerging studs they can build around. By the way, I haven't even mentioned Brooks Lee and Walker Jenkins coming up the pipeline as well, two top 20 prospects in the MLB. So no matter what note they end on, I think it's Mm going to be really easy to look at 2024 and get excited about this group of just young budding talent. Because right now, guys, they got some young dogs in this lineup right now, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. here's where I go I think it's Max Kepler I think Max Kepler has to continue on a tear he has to continue to get this team excited uh I, th- I think about again I'm a softball guy people know that when I look at softball teams it's always people like Jocelyn Allo you know Tierra Jennings when you think about Oklahoma softball the 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 they are right now the the biblical version of greatness when you talk about softball and so you think about that. You think about Jordy Ball, who's a pitcher hitter. We don't have that in Minnesota. You don't have a an Otani in Minnesota. So who do you have to look to? Max Kepler. Like, you have to have somebody willing to always get it going. I do like the Byron Buxton thing, but can he stay healthy? I think that's the question, Sam. Like, can he come back? I feel like he would come back. Everybody would cheer. You'd have the music playing. And then he like gets hurt running out to center field. Like he steps on second base by mistake, twists an ankle, and then we're like, "Oh wait, did he?" It's on a banana peel, right? Did he get hurt during warmups? Or or like Audra Martin's like microphone cord is too long, and she's not realizing he's running by. Audra (laughs) Martin trips him, he falls. Like you know, just just something so Minnesotan. But I, I am looking forward to some playoff baseball. I mean, it does help us out, honestly, from a media standpoint. It gives us something else to talk mm-hmm. about early on in the football season as well as the college football season. Uh, and, and then as we get ready for basketball. So this might be one of those years where, where all the teams are kind of still going at the same time. It would be nice to have a run uh, because just to see the weather and Minnesota have to question, like, are we going to have to play outside in snow for playoff baseball? Because it might snow in October in Minnesota. You just never know. We've had some Halloween, some pre-Halloween snowstorms, and so that might happen. I'm not looking forward to snow. But anyway, I, I think the Twins get it done. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing Max Kepler. He has to If he gets cold 
I feel like the team might get cold. And then we might be sitting here watching Reggie like bite his fingernails and just say, like, oh, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to make this exciting for the fans. But everybody, Sirius XM, please download the app. It's free for most subscribers. Just go to SXM, the app on whatever app market you have. You can get the twins broadcast tonight at 7.05 p.m. The twins, like Sam said, are taking on the Rangers. They have to find a way to get some wins because if they can sweep the Guardians, they could lock it up early and kind of be relaxing. They never have it locked up. Five games is really not a big lead in baseball because if you lose three and they win four or five, you're back where we started and we're like, oh, my goodness, it's going to come down to the last game. But if the Twins can find a way to sweep the Guardians, I think they can help out their own case. And then you just need a couple pitchers to not screw this thing up. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Luke Spinman, or Inman as they know him. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Reggie Wilson from CARE 11. I want to thank you guys and have a great day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.